You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. One little bit of housekeeping before we go much further. Um, So I want to celebrate something, and then I want to ask you for prayer, okay? All right, so celebrate, then prayer. Um, So we want to celebrate last Sunday. I don't know if you were here or not. Last Sunday, we saw more than 360 people show up for church here last Sunday morning. That's cool, right? Yeah. Like... And, and, and we're thanking God for that because we believe the Lord's bringing you guys in. Um, if you were here at 930, you know we had 20 people standing. Like there were no seats. Um, now here's why I'm bringing this up because it's not about church attendance. Um, I want us to recognize as a church that every seat that we don't have is a seat that could be filled by somebody who needs to know Jesus. Okay. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Listen, we have been banging our heads against the wall for about two years now trying to figure out this facility thing, and it's completely beyond us. And so I want to ask you, if you would say that Solid Ground is your church, I want to ask you to commit to every day praying and asking the Lord to open up the doors for something bigger, okay? Every day, because if this is your church, spend some time every single day just asking God to do it, and we're going to do this until he does. Simple as that, okay? Because listen, we believe the best is yet to come. We believe that God has big plans for this group of people and that he's gonna use us to influence our community towards Jesus. We believe that we're gonna see the Lord do great things, but we also recognize that 100% we are dependent on him. Yes? Yes? Yes. Okay, we absolutely are. Okay, all right. Now, all that stuff said, let me begin today by telling you a story. This past week, uh, I sat down at the, the breakfast table with my son's I have two boys, uh, Ben and Luke, because we're Star Wars nerds. Ben is, uh, is eight, Luke is five, and uh, I, I decided to open the parental can of worms. Maybe you guys have, ever have done this. I decided to ask him, hey, guys, what do you want to do when you grow up? And so, so Luke, without even like, hesitation, just looked at me, and he goes, well, I want to work at Ben's theme park. And this was new information to me. So, so I looked at Ben, I said, Ben, do you want to start a theme park when you grow up? And he goes, yes, I do. It's going to be called Miller World, okay? And, and then he proceeded to just show me his drawing and plans of all the different lands of Miller World. Like, there's clown land, there's army land. Like, it looked awesome, all right? And in that moment, um, I was conflicted. And I was divided. Maybe some of you understand this. Maybe some of you will judge me as a parent, but you're going to get it, okay? Okay. Um, Part of me rejoiced at that. Part of me was like, yeah, go get him, boy, yes. Start a theme park. Take care of daddy when he's old. I was like, yes, do it. Yes. But the other part of me went, but it's not like I'm a millionaire, man. Like, where are you going to get that money? You know, like, just internally like this, like, that's an awesome dream. But, dude, do you know how much that would take? And just kind of, I didn't say it out loud, by the way. I wanted to, because like part of me was like, well, I mean, let's shoot for doctor or architect, like theme park, you know, but I didn't. Um, but just kind of digging, how many of you guys remember that time of your life when, when maybe you were younger? And it just seemed like everything was possible. You know, talk about like, I'm going to be the next president of the United States. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, start this, this business. I'm going to cure this. Just like, you, you knew, like, like, this is what I'm going to do, right? And you were young. And in your experience and in the way of the world and the pressure and your means, like, they didn't tell you that you couldn't. And then you got older. 
and your goals changed. And I'm not saying that your goals changing were a bad thing, but they changed, right? And, and the, the stars that you once shot for seemed unattainable. And so you didn't shoot for them anymore. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think that's a part of life. And it's also good or bad part of faith. How many of you remember, like, you came to know Jesus, right? And the Lord just intervened in your life. And you would open those pages of Scripture. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the God that I can know? You know and you just prayed with this radical faith. Right, like you really like, well, since you're like, God, here's my prayer. So, all right, Jesus, never, and you watch God do things, right? Like you would just see God doing these crazy, awesome things. You're like, wow, yeah, wow. And then time went on. And those prayers that God seemed to always say yes to, there was one that was a really big deal to your heart that he met with a resounding no. Remember, come on, we all have this experience, yeah? Like, we're okay, like, like, Lord, would you please, would you please? And he, and he does it, and your heart's broken. He's like, and so, so what do you do in that moment? Well, you, you change the way that you pray, right? And, and, and so maybe what it is is you make yourself never hope again, right? Like, I'm just not going to put myself out there with that. I'm not going to just, I'm just going to like not let my, 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 my hopes rise up because if they rise up, they can just be dashed on the rocks again. So I'm going to pray really small prayers, little things that maybe, okay, if God doesn't do it, I can do it myself. Or maybe I won't pray at all. Because if I pray, he says, no, I just, I just can't take that anymore. Our mode changes, our hope changes, everything that we expect God to. Maybe we even tack some spirituality. We tack some theology on it. So we say things like this. We go, well, God's got a will in everything. So if he doesn't, it's okay. And listen, I, like a sovereignty of God guy, I 110% believe that God's got a will. Yes. But for how many of us, we hide behind that as an excuse for God not to answer our prayers. It's not a trust through the storm. It's a way that I won't be disappointed again. And I want you to know today that if you've ever felt that way, first of all, you're not alone. I think every believer experiences that at some season of life for however long. But also know that the person we're going to read about today was exactly where you are. So here we are in the story of the prophet Elisha. And, and what's been going on, like the Lord's been showing up, doing these remarkable things around and through him. And, and at one point, what happens in Elisha's life is he comes across this couple. They're from the, the town of Shunem. Um, Shunem is a place that was in ancient Israel that was occupied by the tribe of Issachar. And uh, Elisha, like, he just gets favor with this couple. They're like, man, man of God. So they decide, hey, we're going like, to create a room at our house so that whenever you're in town, you can just stay there. You don't have to worry about hotel bills or whatever. Like, you just crash our place, Elisha. They give him a little bed, a little couch, you know, a little nightstand, mini fridge. It's nice, but it's in that backdrop that our story picks up today. In 2 Kings chapter 4, starting verse 11, it says this. One day, when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. So he went down. Oh, I'm exhausted. Got it. Okay. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Continues. Elisha said to him, so Gehazi... Most likely just acting as a translator here. Okay, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? So, okay, listen, you have blessed us. Like, you've shown us such kindness. How can we return the favor? Like, how can we bless you? What can we do for you? Like, okay, like, you know, I have some sway with, with the, the, the king. I have some sway with the commander of the army. Like, how can we invest in your life? 
to which she responds in a way that anybody who's ever stopped hoping would do. She replied, I have a home on my own people. Meaning, because I've already got a house, man, I'm good. We got the white picket fence, everything's fine. Like, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm just, I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I am good, okay? Now, come on, how many of you have been there? All right, listen, like, okay, somebody comes up to you, hey, man, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so good. (laughs) And it's taking everything that you have not to melt down on the street or in Walmart or wherever you are. Right? I'm, I'm good. Hashtag blast. I'm blast. <laughs> but, but you know that's not the case. Hey, you know that's not the case. You know there's this gaping wound in your heart that you've put, God, where even are you? And so you put on your happy face, you put on your mask, and you walk out in public and pretend that it's not there, but don't you know that God, your heavenly father who loves you, who sees everything that you've ever gone through and will ever go through, God, your heavenly father who knows you, cares about you, knows what's really going on. I'm good. Are you? And so Elisha hears this. Well, I've got a house. You know, it's, it's great. And so Elisha goes, okay. All right. So verse 14. So what can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son. And her husband is old. Now, here's something to understand, okay? The world in which this story is told, culturally, very different world from the world that we live in, okay? Like, listen, um, and and it's not that we want to go back to that, but it very much was a patriarchy, okay? And so, listen, if you were a woman in the ancient Near East, particularly when Elisha lived, the way that you had worth in that society was that you did two things. You got married and you had babies, And that was pretty much it. Again, not saying we should go back to that, not saying that's true or right for for, for our sisters. No, 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 but that's where they lived. Particularly, you wanted to have a boy baby. And the reason you wanted a boy was because he would be an heir who would carry on your family line. And so, so here's this big need right here. Listen, like, I, I need a kid. I need, I need, I need like, some, like, somebody to carry on the family legacy or what have you, right? Okay, And, and, and yet she's not talking about that at all. She's not bringing it up. She's not bringing it up because like, this is like the biggest thing she could possibly bring up. And we're about to see why. So verse 15, then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And here's what Elisha says to her, verse 16. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Now, wow, but watch her reaction now. Here's what she says. No, my Lord. She objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. You hear the brokenness, like the broken heart. They're like, like don't get my hopes up with that. Don't say you're going to die. I, I can't take going through that again. Don't you dare say to me, God's going to do that and that not be the case. And for how many of us, like, if I talk about the thing that you stopped praying about, if I talk about the thing that, okay, listen, you gave up hope, I'm not saying that I'm judging you for that, but you know the big wound of your heart, the big thing that, God, I please, would you please? And he didn't. If I were to even bring it up right now, that would be your exact prayer too. Oh, no, please, not that. And we've all got them. Don't mislead your servant. And it's here, I want to clarify. Um, we're going to watch God do something radical in this story. I mean, just, just radical, like not fitting within how any of us think a narrative should go. 
But I, and I just want us to understand, like, the, the clear thrust and message of this text is to believe that God does the impossible, 100%. I just, because I work with you, I don't want to mislead you. And I don't want to give you false hopes. Here's what the, like, like my, you know, as, as a human being divided in my loyalties, like I, I live for the Lord, but I also live in an earthly body that will one day go away. Because here's what I want to tell you. What I want to tell you is sometimes God answers prayers, but don't get your hopes up because other times he doesn't. And you've just got to trust God through it. And I can rationalize these things. And I can rationalize why you should never pray, but it's wrong. It's, 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 it's a sin. But the reason is because, listen, I don't want your hopes to be dashed. I, I like, personally, I don't want your heart to be broken anymore. But lucky for you, you've got a God who's bigger than me, who acts in ways that confound me and loves you more than I do. And I do love you. I'll give you an example. Um, about October of last year, we had uh, our annual leaders retreat. I mean, we do this every year, but basically what we do like with our leaders is like, because they give so much like sacrificially of their time and their energy, we like to just take a day or two and just invest in them personally. It's less about corporate, like here's where we're going. I mean, sometimes there, there's that there, but really it's just this like, listen, we want to pour back into you because you've given so much. You're serving the Lord. We want you to be built up in Christ. So this one particular uh, retreat, we call it replenish. You know, it's this idea, just like your soul being replenished. And, and I knew going into it um, that God was going to do something crazy. Like, I just, I'm like, no, like, okay, as we're going towards the last session, the Lord's going to say something. He's going to do something. I don't know what, but I know he is, and it's going to be great. And so we go, and we're praying for our brothers and our sisters who are in leadership. And man, just be praying for them, because they bear a mantle with that. And the Lord just starts speaking, and then we just start getting words for the leaders who are coming forward for prayer. And we pray for everybody, right? I mean, like, one guy comes in, right? He comes up to me, and I just see over him the word loved in, like, blazing fire over his head. And so I, like, we're not ready yet. Like, so like, I, I just, I, you know, I, so I just tell him, like, Lord, I thank you because this man is loved. And it's something I said, he just, oh, I just like, like, just burst out in tears. I have no idea what that meant to him, but it meant something. Another guy comes up, right? And, and the Lord says, listen, don't, don't give him a word. Ask him to ask me for one. And I'm like, okay. So like, here's what, you, go ahead and just seek the Lord for a vision. And he gets one, like right there. And then there was a couple. And I got their permission say this story. Keith and Autumn Strong. And where they were in life, um, they had just thought that they were pregnant, and it turned out that they weren't. And they had just gone through the heartbreak of all of that. So here they are, and we're praying with them, and I just, like, I just see, like, in the Spirit, Autumn holding a baby. But I don't hear anything from God like this, you know, like, this time next year, you shall hold it. Like, none of that. And so I'm terrified because I'm like, um, okay, is that symbolic? Is that like, is that really like they're going to have, I, I, I don't know, right? Because listen, I'm, I'm just going to, I was afraid. I was being a big old chicken, okay? So like, so I'm, and I also, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I want to break their heart again, you know? So like, so I'm sitting there, um, and so I just, in my head, I'm just rationalizing, okay, what's every way possible I can say you're going to have a baby without using the word pregnant? Okay, so I just like, so just, this, this is me, all right? So just like, I just start saying like, like, like the Lord's got just a season of joy ahead of you and praise. Like just spirit, like just all around it without ever saying it. But I failed to realize how smart the Stroms are because they knew what I was saying. And it's like, ah! right? 
later, later I get off stage, Pastor Josh comes up to me a while later, and he's like, dude, we all saw that they're going to have a baby. Why didn't you just say it? Because like, I'm a big old chicken. Is that what you want to hear? Or is that, is that it, okay? Okay, but check this. What none of us knew was that Autumn was pregnant. And they found out just a few days later. Because, just because God was aware of what was happening with them. Much like this woman here. And so our story continues, verse 17. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And it's here that we would expect the story would end. We would think it would be this sort of like great, like, okay, yay. But it takes a really weird turn. So look at this, verse 18. Now the child grew. And one day, he went out to his father, who's with the reaper. So his dad's working out in the field, and the kid gets up, and he's at an age now where he can walk and talk. And so he goes out and look at this. He said to his father, my head, my head. So he's having this like headache. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. And after it says, the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. Now this doesn't seem like the sort of God thing that we would hear, right? Because God provided the life, why in the world? I mean, that just seems so out of place. But we're gonna see what's happened. Verse 21. So what's the mom do? Well, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and went out. Now listen, for the sake of time, I've got to jump forward. I encourage you to read the whole story on your own time. But we're going to jump on down to verse 27. So here's what happens. So she goes, she leaves the house and she goes after Elisha. <laughs> and when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Basically, like she throws, himself, or throws herself at his feet. She's just grabbing on and she's wailing. And she's, and she's just inconsolable. Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. Dude, she's in bitter distress. And I love this line right here. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Now, here's why I like this detail, okay? If you're somebody who sort of approaches the Bible, you're like, it's a myth. Da, da, da. Details like this just reek of authenticity. Because you would expect, if you're sort of creating this fabled character like Elisha, well, he already knows the answer. Of course he knows what's going on. Of course he's so dialed into the plan of God. But Elisha is legitimately surprised by all of this to the point where like, he has no idea what's going on, okay? Like the Lord hasn't told me. He doesn't like, he doesn't, I think it's important for us to recognize, okay? Because some of us, when we approach the scriptures, we elevate the men and women that God uses to an unhealthy degree where we believe that they're somehow separate or different than us. Right? So when it comes to Elisha, basically Elisha, it'd be easy to be tempted to believe he's sort of mini-God, where he knows everything, but he doesn't know everything. Like, the only reason anything happens through Elisha is because God says that it should. Like, God speaks to him, God does these things. Elisha is just a man. That's all that he is. A man who's hearing from the Lord, but it's the Lord who does all of it. Now, here's why this is important for us to recognize and grapple with, okay? Because if, if, if we start to come to this place where mentally we believe, okay, that was for them then, because they're somehow more filled with the Spirit, they're sort of more godly than us, then what happens is our expectation of God in the here and the now disappear, right? Because that was for them, that's not for now. That was for them, not for me, but it's the same God through all of it. 
And so what happens is this. In our lack of hearing from God, that's why I'm really, really teasing this out, okay? In our lack of hearing from God, we then start to fill in the gaps mentally. And, it, and we can sort of unhealthily maybe believe that it's somehow our fault, right? So listen, like, okay, if I just had more faith, then he would have. If I just scrubbed all doubts from my mind, then okay, he would have. If I just prayed harder, if I just fasted longer, if I just went to church, then God would have done like. And this mentality is absent of grace. Grace, the foundation of the Christian faith that believes that fundamentally God does not behave to you, towards you the way that you deserve. A step further, you start to believe in mantras. If I just prayed a certain way, then God would. But that's a spell, that's not a prayer. And let's hear, I want to just clarify something. If you're taking notes, write this down. Listen, okay? We don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of the one we pray to. Yes? We listen, okay, well, like, because think about like the Pinterest post or whatever, like, oh, just believe in the power of prayer. Believe, 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 believe. Believe in what? Well, we're not going to say, but just believe. No. We don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of the one we pray to. Listen, all you're doing when you are praying is talking to somebody greater than you. That's all you're doing. It's not about you mustering up and listen for the super spiritual egghead in the room, okay, who wants to bring up James 5, 16, where he says, well, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know the very next verse, verse 17? Elijah was a man just like us. Oh! Meaning... He's just a dude, but God answered. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of the one we pray to. And so check this out. So she's throwing herself at Elisha's feet. Watch what happens. Verse 28, okay? Did I ask you for a son? Wasn't I doing fine? Like, hadn't I gotten past this? Wasn't my life together? I had a nice house. Did I ask you for this? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Come on, who's been there? Don't raise your hands, it's awkward. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't get my hopes, I just can't take it again. And that's exactly where she is. I didn't want any of this. And then I thought God was blessing me, but clearly I was wrong. Again, we, we've got to keep moving here for the sake of time. So again, read the whole thing on your own time, but we're going to jump on down. So um, what happens next is Elisha goes, right, I'm, I'll go to the house. Okay, fine. So we're going to jump down to verse 32. Here's what happens. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. So he went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to us. Okay, fine. So he goes in just to shut out the voices. Nobody's out there wailing. He just closes the door. It's just the two of them. And this next part, I should just let you know, is a little weird. So we're going to read it. We're going to go, what the heck? And I'll explain it. Okay? All right. Verse 34. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy. Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. What the heck? I'm just going to have a sip of water. Real quick. All right. Okay. To understand this, we have to understand that the Bible is written within human history. It's the inerrant word of God, like, like true forever, but this story takes place in a real place in the real world. Yes? Okay. Particularly, it's called the ancient Near East. 
This is, this is the, the zone and area through which uh, a lot of this stuff takes place. In the ancient Near East, within the time period and time frame of Elisha, something to understand is that Judaism, the, the, the religion of Elisha, from which will come Christianity later on, um, Judaism was not the only religion. Okay? I mean, in fact, it's why you find like throughout the Old Testament, they're constantly like butting heads with sort of pagan idolatry, right? There are false gods. There's all these different incantations. There's spells. There's, there's priests and priestesses of different religions. And I mean, just like the world's just saturated in all of it. Okay? It's, it's, and so one of the things that you found in ancient Near Eastern incantations, particularly with the summoning of the demonic, like believing that like, like people who wanted devils, because they believed that these were conduits of power, what have you. The ways that people would summon and be like taken hold of by devils was through direct physical contact to the point where the, the place that you connected was where the demon would enter. This was their belief. Not saying it's true, but this is what they believed. Okay, like, 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 like skin to skin, that's where the supernatural passes through and in. Now, here's why this is important, okay? Because when you find Elisha imitating this practice, it's really, really groundbreaking because here's what he's saying, okay? My God is greater than all those gods. Okay, like this one. If the way that they experienced the hand of the supernatural was this sort of like, you know, direct contact here, what he's saying is it's not just a miracle. It's the Lord is greater than all of it. It's a witness, okay? It's, it's, I just wanna say it again. It's not just a miracle, it's a witness. He's basically testifying God is greater than all these things that people are consuming themselves with and living for. Now that's really big because listen, here's the deal, okay? For how many of us, for how many of us, stick with me, okay? How many of us, when we look at the disappointments and we look at the ways that God, ha- we think, has failed us and not been there, we find ourselves glorifying the enemy. And here's what I mean. Not intentionally. I think no one in this room would be like, like, hail Satan or anything, but here's what I mean, okay? What I mean is this. Like, you look at what the devil did and you recognize that it was him. You recognize how he shredded your life. You recognize how he got influence over that person and destroyed your relationship. How all these things felt like you recognize that. And then you find yourself sitting in the ash heap of the thing that he burned down. And then you stop because you go, I, I, like, it's always going to be this way. And you never let yourself hope again. You never let yourself pray again. Because all you do is just mourn the loss of what was. Yeah? Here's what I would tell you this story is telling you and me right now. It's a simple question. It's a gut check question as we're observing the nature of God being greater than the work of the enemy. It says, write it down if you need to. Are you really going to believe that the thing the devil did will get more glory than the thing that God will do? Really? Are you really going to believe? Okay, well, well you know, I saw him in activity, and then this happened, and this fell apart. Yeah, but you mean to tell me you believe that this wound that he inflicted will somehow be greater than the redemptive work of God? Are you kidding me? Well, part you don't understand. This is how I feel. Uh-huh. I know. I don't understand. But I also know that my God is way greater than anyone. Are you really? Hold on. Allow yourself to believe and hope again. Because the message here is that God is greater than the forces of darkness, the authors of death, sin, disease, brokenness. The Lord is greater. And so here we are in our passage, verse 34. And as he stretched himself out on him, look at this, the boy's body grew warm. 
It's not done. It's not done. So, so Elisha sees this, but no consciousness, not, none of that. And so look at this. So Elisha turned away and walked back and forth. So he's like, okay, he's warm. And he starts walking back and forth across the room like, okay, God, what are you going to do? Uh, right? He's just invested in it. Okay, so look at this. All right. And then he got on the bed again and stretched out on him once more. <laughs> and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And so it wraps up. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. And she came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. End of story. End of story. So just to recap, she went through it. God created a life where there was none. Then things fell apart. God brought life back into the boy and then completely healed him, raised him up again. So if we could say it this way, God started something, he continued it, he finished it. Yes, brought life where there was none, brought healing, brought complete healing. Started it, continued it, finished it. Started it, continued it, finished it. Started it, continued it, finished it. Here's why I'm bringing up these phrases, because some of you, you remember what God started in your life. Hey, you remember when, okay, I was at camp, and I was so aware I was in the presence of God, and I went to this crusade, and I went down the aisle, and Billy Graham personally laid hands on me and prayed for me, and like, okay, I, was, I, was, I was at church, and like the Holy Spirit showed up, and I was, I was listening, I was like, you remember, started it, but things got quiet. And maybe you were aware of it, maybe you weren't, but okay, like the continuing, okay, but I certainly haven't seen the finished it. Started it, continued it, finished it. The one who began the good work in you will see it through to its completion in the day of Christ Jesus, okay? Started it, continued it, finished it. Do you know why? And listen, okay, if you've lost hope, if you stop praying, if you're like, okay, I believed what God was going to, but you don't understand the circumstances. I believed he would, but then he didn't. Here's the thing I need you to understand. God doesn't do things halfway, he doesn't. He doesn't start. A th- it's not like God has a shed that he's working on and he forgets to put the roof on. He doesn't do things halfway. Pray again. Hope again. Well, yeah, but it's been 20 years. How old was this woman before she had a child? Pray again. Hope again. Okay, but listen, like, they're not talking to me anymore and the relationship has dissipated because their heart is so hard towards the Lord. Pray again. Okay, well, Bert, you don't know the prognosis and so, and so maybe it's going to be like, uh, uh, you know, things might be so. Pray again. Well, are you telling me that? I have no idea what he's going to do. But I don't think it's an accident we came to this text. Let me say it this way, okay? And, and, and some of you have heard me tell this story before. You'll probably hear it again if you're here long enough. I'm young. I don't have that many stories. Um, <laughs> just look surprised. Look. 
I was in college, um, went to a prayer meeting. Some friends of mine were having a prayer meeting. I'd never gone to it before. Um, at that time in my life, I was not the guy that was like, oh, you're just going to sit in a room in silence for an hour? I'm, I'm in. Like, that, wasn't, that wasn't me. Um, well, the Lord's worked on me a little bit since then. But, um, so I went. And, pro- and this prayer group, they were called Watchmen. It's like, like we read the, the psalm right earlier, like more than the watchman waits for the morning. That's what they, they would just wait, and they would seek the Lord together, you know. And we're there praying, and this guy came in who um, had injured his back, like really jacked up. He had fallen off a ladder, really, really hurt himself, and he was asking for prayer for healing for it because he, he was supposed to leave like the next week to go on a mission trip to India. Like he needed his back to do some of the, the labor and ministry stuff that he was going to do. And so he's like, ah, right? And so, and so, uh, everybody's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's pray. And, you know, we're, we're idealistic 20-somethings. So nobody's going to tell us. No, we're in, baby. So we go and go. We circle up around him. We lay hands on him to pray for him. We're praying in, in the name of Jesus, right? It's not us. It's him. And we finish. We're like, Lord, would you, would, you, would, you, would you please heal him in Jesus' name? Hands come off. And we just go, so how, how do you feel? You know? He goes, well, it doesn't hurt as bad, I guess. It's very nice of him to say, hey. So, I'm going to say this not so that you're like, Bert, mighty man of God. No, I just, I know who I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I know him. And so I'm like, can we just pray for him again, please? Like, because, and this is the excellent. God doesn't do things halfway. So, okay, so we circle back up. We pray for him again. Lord Jesus, would you please heal him? We ask you this for your glory, right? Hands come off. Tears start streaming down his face. Starts bending down, up, running around the room, pain completely gone, completely healed. And I watched God do it, like right in front of me. Because God doesn't do things halfway. He doesn't. And I'm telling you this for you, for the one who's given up hope. It's time to hope again. For the one who's given up prayer, it's time to pray again. Well, I just can't. I know, I know. But what if? And so here's what I want to do, okay? I want to just take a step as a church. So every head bowed, every eye closed. This is awesome. Okay, this, I just want you to take a step in faith here. All right, listen. If you need the Lord for a miracle, and you know what that is, whether that's physical, whether that's spiritual, whether that's emotional, whether that's relational, whether that's financial, like you know what you need. What's that thing that has been springing to your mind as I've been reading you this story? Okay, think about it. Okay, if you need a miracle, I want you to throw both of your hands high in the air and leave them there. Okay, if you would say, okay, I need the Lord to move. I need him to act. Lift those hands up, and we're going to make them. This is just an act of faith right now. You're lifting up your hands and basically saying, God, I'm giving this to you. Please meet with me here. You raise your hands to heaven, and you're asking the Lord to touch you right where you are. If you would say, you need a miracle, hands up high, and let's just let's pray together. Right, so Heavenly Father, you see my brothers, you see my sisters. Lord, you are more aware of their circumstances than they are. I ask you now, according to your word, to glorify the name of your servant Jesus and only Jesus, our healer, our savior, our redeemer, our miracle worker. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, the living one, who died for our sin and rose from the dead. I announce to you healing now in Jesus' name. I announce to you the miraculous now in Jesus' name. May miracles spread out all over this room. May the hand of God come forth to glorify the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, you see your people. You know what needs to be done with them. Lord, they're your people and um, you see the way they've been afflicted. Please touch them. Please, please, uh, please do what you want. Um, Please do what only you can do. Hmm. I pray for my brother and my sister um, who have lost the ability to hope according to your goodness, show kindness to them. Please. Praise you. May it be done in your name. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.